weekly Thursday evening Bible study. We're so happy that all of you could join us, and um, we're grateful to the Lord for bringing us together one more time, upholding us, keeping us, and here we are again, together again, amen. And so we're going to go into some prayer in a minute here, and pray and ask the Lord to help us in our Bible study. Amen. And, um, I believe the Lord will help us tonight. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, before we go into prayer, I want you to think about something as you begin to pray. Um, I want you to be aware. The Bible says to be vigilant, to be sober, to watch and pray. And I want you to think about those things as we begin to get into prayer tonight and even moving past tonight. Because the times that we're living in, could cause us to become weary and we can wear out and get tired and you know sometimes we want to be spiritual and we don't find ourselves being spiritual because we're worried about so much and so I want you to uh, to ask God to help you tonight because we need to be sure we are refreshed over and over by the Spirit of the Lord. If you get into the Word of God, you'll see that it is the Holy Ghost that refreshes us when we're weary, when we're tired, when we're stale. It is the Holy Ghost that refreshes us. And so we need to constantly seek the Lord and pray and ask for the Holy Spirit to renew us, to refresh us, because there's so much that we're concerned about. There's so much that we are trying to manage. Um, you know, some of us, most of us, we're trying to navigate how we continue to work our secular job, how we keep up with what's going on, how we keep up with when we go to the supermarkets, when we go to the store, um, just all of what we have to adjust to. And so we have to adjust to everything in our life, whether it's going to the store or whether it's going to work or working from home or your children being home and, and, and going to school from home. And so there's a lot that we're trying to maneuver. And somehow, some way, we kind of always let the Lord come in last because we always believe he loves us so much. He understands everything. So we put him on the back burner because nobody else will understand, but Jesus will understand. So your boss won't understand uh, the, the, the people at the supermarket, our government, they won't understand, but Jesus will understand. And that's kind of how our mind begins to work. And so because our mind is working that way, we, we, we find ourselves uh, putting Jesus on the back burner, not because we're just being mean or we're not trying to do the right thing, but we, we put him on the back burner because we think he understands. Now, here's the problem with that. The problem with that is, you're not going to be as spiritual as you can be when you put him on the back burner, put him aside. And so you don't want to operate um, carnally, uh, fleshly, as we like to say, physically, naturally. We do those things, but they must be secondary. The Spirit of the Lord must be the thing that is in the center of our life and working in us and through us. So I want you to pray tonight and ask God, and if you pray and you pray through to the Holy Ghost, Speak in tongues, because that's how we become refreshed. And sometimes we think speaking in tongues is this cool thing, but we have no clue sometimes in understanding 
why God does the things that he does and part of why we have the Holy Ghost. There's a whole lot of reason why we must have the Holy Ghost, but part of it is it refreshes us. It renews us. And so we need to constantly pray till we speak in this unknown tongue so we can be refreshed, so we can be renewed, so we can be strengthened by his spirit. So I want you to think about that because I, I know that we're we're challenged and on every hand and there's so many situations that we're trying to juggle and manage and those things will make you carnal and so you want to make sure you're tapped in and and the spirit of God is working in your life so you're not just thinking about these things carnally uh, naturally but the spirit of the Lord will help us when God is working in anything man it seems to be so much easier <laughs> But when we're trying to use human strength and human's ability, it seems like it's just so much harder. So let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask Him tonight to help us to be refreshed and to be renewed. And let the Word of God revive and let the Word of God empower us. And let the Spirit of God just wash over us and just help us to be renewed and be uh, spiritually healthy. Amen. Pray for our lesson tonight. Uh, we're going to finish up our series that we've been talking about for the past few weeks on uh, the gifts of the Spirit in the church. The gifts of the Spirit in the church. And so we'll finish that up tonight. But let's go before the Lord in prayer and ask God to help us tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we honor you. Oh, my God, we, we are so grateful and thankful to be, be able to come together one more time. Lord, we are gathered together tonight under your banner, the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful and we're thankful, Lord God, for all you've done, all you continue to do, and Lord, the things that we will experience in you. Lord, have your way in our hearts and our thoughts tonight, Lord God, as we come together. We're asking, Lord Jesus, that you speak to our hearts, that you speak to our minds. We don't want anything to hinder us. We don't want anything, Lord God, to prevent us from whatever you want to do in our heart and in our life tonight. So we ask, Lord God, that you will purge us from our iniquities, that you will cleanse us from our unrighteousness, that, Lord God, you will forgive us of our sins, Lord. We're asking in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to be totally, oh God, open to the Word of God. We want to be totally open to the Spirit of God taking free course in our life. And God, we're asking tonight uh, that you have preeminence. You are our Lord. And oh God, we want you to reign supremely and rule as you desire in our life, Lord God. We pray tonight uh, that you will bind us together in unity of the Spirit of God. That you will instruct us in your word. That, Lord, we will receive clarity and understanding in the word of God. That, Lord Jesus, you will impart to us your wisdom. That as you give us knowledge, the wisdom of God will instruct us as, as to how we can implement, Lord God, the knowledge you have equipped us with, Lord Jesus. I pray tonight for change to take place in our life, Lord God. That, Lord Jesus, we will be spiritual and that 
We will not be carnal and that we will not operate according to the natural and according to our, our flesh and our own thinking. But we want the Spirit of the Lord to have preeminence. We want the Word of God, oh God, to be imparted to us that by your Word and by your Spirit will, have, will be how we conduct our lives. According to your Word and according to your Spirit is how we want to move forward, Lord. And so we ask, Lord, that you will move upon us in a special way. That you will help us, Almighty God. That you will speak to us tonight, Lord. Will you anoint me as your vessel, Lord God, to speak as your oracle, Lord God. I want the Holy Ghost, Lord God, to overshadow me, Lord Jesus. That whatsoever I speak, Lord, it will be by your Spirit. It will be, Lord God, exactly according to the Word of God. Help me, Almighty God, to be used of you tonight, Lord. I pray tonight that you will touch the hearing of the hearers tonight, and that they will receive, Lord God, the engrafted word of God into their heart and into their mind, Lord God, that they will become doers as well as hearers of the word of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray for transformation, Lord God, in all of us, Lord God, for we're all still being transformed by you. And I pray tonight, transformation will take place in each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, have your way, sweet Jesus. Will you touch us, Almighty God? I pray that somebody will be saved tonight when hearing the word of God and the Spirit of God will breathe on them. That somebody will be baptized with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, and the Spirit of God move upon them. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that faith will God, real, true, Almighty God, operate in us, Lord God, that we will exercise faith, O God, in the name of Jesus Christ, we will touch us, we will bless us, each and every one of us tonight, we look to you, O great God, and ask, Lord, that so let it be as we have requested, as we ask, Lord God, let it be so, Lord God, in the wonderful and matchless and powerful name of Jesus Christ. Somebody thank the Lord tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Clap your hands up the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Jesus. We bless your name, O Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is none like you. There is none like you. I give you the honor and the praise. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for praying along with us. We appreciate you. Amen. We want the Lord to have his way tonight. So we'll get into our final lesson on the gifts of the Spirit in the church or the spiritual gifts in the church. Amen. We're going to read some scriptures that you're familiar with because we've been reading them since we started this series and so we're going to go through them tonight again to make sure they're ingrained in your thinking they're ingrained in your thoughts in your heart amen hallelujah and so we'll 
go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. We'll start in, with that text, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verses 8 through 10. Then we're going to jump down to verses 27 through 31. Then we'll read Romans chapter 12, verse number 6 through 8. Then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And then we'll move right along into our lesson. Amen? All right. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 8. The word of the Lord says, For to one is given by the, by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kind, kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Let's jump down to verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God had set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, government, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, question mark, are all prophets, question mark, are all teachers, question mark, are all workers of miracles, question, have all the gifts of healing, question, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. I like where it says covet earnestly the best gifts. It means for us to desire, to want the best gifts that God will work in our lives. The one that fits who we are, what God wants to do. Covet it, desire it, seek it. So it's okay to say, I want to be used by God mightily in the gifts of interpretation of tongues or in the gift of prophecy. It's okay to say that because it's all supposed to help the body of Christ to grow and to fulfill the purpose of God. And so it's okay to desire any of the gifts of, of the Spirit working in your life. Romans chapter 12. Let's go to that. Romans chapter 12. We'll go in verse 6 where Paul also discussed what may be called the motivational gifts. The motivational gifts is in Romans. Other terms may be used to identify these gifts, but they seem to describe the giftedness that motivate us in Christian service. So the ones in Romans, the gifts that you will read in Romans, they seem to be gifts that motivate us to fulfill Christian service. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, the verse starts by saying, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry. Whenever you see that word ministry, it just means serving. Let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exalteth, uh, on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. 
He that ruleth doesn't mean somebody rule over you. It means that they're leaders. Uh, that they lead with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. They are abilities given to us by God. All of these that we just read in Romans, they're abilities give, given to us by God. Along with the abilities, God gives us the desires to do these things. Amen? Uh, the, the other passage of scripture that we're all familiar with, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 11. Although we could identify these gifts with other terms, they may be called positional gifts. Because they relate to people who are gifted to fulfill specific roles in the church. Amen? So the, the gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, 11, those are considered positional gifts. Because they are specific gifts that are given to fulfill certain roles in the church. Uh, I don't want to get really off track a whole lot, but the bottom line is... We don't, we don't have to have a position in the church to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Nobody has to, you don't have to be deaconess or deacon or prophetess or, uh, you know, evangelist so-and-so or uh, minister so-and-so or any of that. The gifts of the Spirit are the gifts of the Spirit. And remember I said, nobody owns the gifts of the Spirit. It is God who enables us. God works through us to fulfill His purpose. And so those gifts that we've read about um, in, 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 in 1 Corinthians 12, God decides how he wants to work in any one of our lives with those. When it comes down to the, 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 the scripture in, in, in Ephesians 4 and 11, those uh, positional gifts are gifts that uh, are positions, uh, roles in the church that God uses uh to, to, to guide and lead the church. So the positional gifts in Ephesians, um, they include apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And those are roles given to whoever God sees fit to give them to. It says for the, um, for the, for the, for the building up of the saints of the body of Christ, for the edifying, I should say, of the body of Christ. And so that's, that's what um, those positional gifts are for is for the edification. All of it is for the edification of the body of Christ. In our lesson this evening, we will discuss the final three of the nine spiritual gifts of the Spirit that we've been talking about, that we've been reading about. So we're going to discuss, remember we had grouped them in groups of three. And so we have talked about um, the, the first six gifts so far, and so we're going to talk, and, and uh, they're not in order when you read them in Corinthians like that. It's not in order. Remember, we put them together so we can retain and recall um, how they work and what they are. And so tonight, we're going to deal with the last three uh, gifts, and those are the, 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 gift, the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, and the gifts and the gift of working of miracles. Those are called the power gifts. Okay? The power gifts. And so we, we categorize them so we can remember them. So those are the power gifts that, that we're going to be talking about tonight. And so I want you to look closely in what God is doing. So let's look first at the, the gift of faith. That's the first one of the three we'll look at tonight. The gift of faith. 
What does it mean when we when we read that text and says the gift of faith? What what is it referring to? Well, the gift of faith is the sudden assurance or certainty that God will, without question, mm -hmm. do a certain thing. Come on. Let me tell you that again. The gift of faith kind of referred to the assurance. It, it is it is it is the sudden assurance or certainty that God will without question do a certain thing. This certainty is given by the Holy Ghost. This is a different dimension of faith than that which you read or or the faith that you need to be saved. So the gift of faith is a different dimension of faith than what you have to have to be saved. So let's look a little bit and, and understand what the natural faith is as opposed to the gift of faith. Amen? And so, in order to understand the gift of faith, this gift we're talking about tonight, mm -hmm. we must correctly comprehend the nature of faith. Come on. So, the natural faith, not the gift of faith now, is what we must make sure we understand. So, how would you define faith? That you need to be saved. Nobody could be saved without faith. You cannot be saved without faith. You have to have faith to be saved. I'll show you in a little bit how specific that is. Faith is not positive thinking, wishful thinking, a positive mental attitude, or anything else we can generate within ourselves by willpower or human efforts. Unbelievers can think positively, have a positive mental attitude, or exercise wishful thinking. So therefore, to describe faith as wishful thinking, positive mental attitude, and things like that, it's not faith, because anybody could do that. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. Romans chapter 10, verse number 13. The word of God says this. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. <laughs> there are people that think that I can just say, Oh, Lord Jesus, I believe you're God. And I know that you died and rose on the third day. And you ascended to heaven, and you shed your blood for my sins, and I'm saved. That's not what it's saying. It says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. So let's just say we call upon the name of the Lord. Let's just say we call upon the name of the Lord. When you call upon the name of the Lord, if you know anything about God, he's going to tell you what you need to do. So we never call upon the name of the Lord and just that's it. When we call upon the name of the Lord, he tells us what we need to do. So when it says whosoever call, shall call upon the name of the Lord, that key word in that sentence is shall be saved. So when you call upon the name of the Lord, you don't, you are not saved by calling, calling upon the name of the Lord. Amen. You will be saved because he will direct you how to be saved. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? 
And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right. So the bottom line is, you can't call on God if you don't know God. True. So how are you going to know God? If God himself somehow revealed himself to you, or he used one of his servants to minister who he is to you. This is why it's so important to understand that true faith is having the knowledge of who the Almighty God is, that he's both God and man at the same time. When you understand that, you have obtained faith because he has revealed himself to you. Sure. Verse 15, And how shall they preach except they be sent? Right. As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Mm -hmm. For Isaiah said, Lord, who had believed our report? Verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. If you're going to obtain faith, you have to hear the word of God. So whether it's God speaking it to you, or man speaking it to you, you have to hear the word of God to obtain faith. Amen. So none of us can be saved without Hearing the word of God. Amen. So that's how you obtain faith. Now that's the faith that gets you saved. That's the faith that gets you saved. And so that's a different faith than what we're talking about here tonight. Because tonight here we're talking about the gift of faith. And so remember what we said about gifts. That gifts are not something that you earn. Gifts are freely given to us. And so we don't have to earn it. It's just given to us. Plus, we said that gifts, uh, uh, you don't have to be a mature Christian to receive a gift. It's just who God's will that he will give it to. Right. So faith, the regular faith that you need to be saved, someone has to preach to you. Someone, uh, God himself has to minister to you or use one of his servants to bring enlightenment, to bring understanding, to bring knowledge of who he is. And that's how you obtain faith to be saved. The gift of faith is the sudden assurance or certainty that God will, without question, do a thing. So a bona fide stranger, God can work in their life with the gift of faith because he can bring a sudden assurance on them a certainty that they will without question know that God will do a thing you don't need regular faith to do that because that's not saving faith so saving faith is different from the gift of faith somebody say amen, amen, amen. so when you have you need saving faith to be saved this is why again church follow me on this this is why we can't give, we can't worry so much about the gifts mm -hmm. in thinking that when someone is operating in a gift that they're close to God. My God. Because when you're operating in a gift, it doesn't have anything to do with your closeness to God. It has to do with everything that God decided that he will work through you to fulfill his purpose. 
I will never forget the scripture that says, Lord, Lord, did we prophesy in thy name? Lord, Lord, did we cast out demons in your name? And the Lord said to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. So you don't have to know God. That's the saving faith. You don't have to know God in order to be used in the gift of faith. That's true. And so us being used in the gifts, even though I'm telling you to desire it, even though I'm telling you seek God to let it work through you, that doesn't mean when God does that that we're saying, oh man, we are, we have arrived because God is working through us in a miraculous way. It can be that you are spiritual and he's working his gifts through you, but it can be also that you're not spiritual, but he just decides to work his gifts through you. Somebody getting that? You get that? You understand what I'm saying? So the gift of faith and saving faith is different. And that's why, when, as we're studying the gifts of the Spirit, I'm trying to get you to understand that we desire them. We need to desire them because it's going to help us to do the work of God effectively. But nothing replaces our true, bona fide, intimate relationship with Christ. We must make sure we cultivate our bona fide, intimate close relationship with God, our fellowship with Him. That, without question, must be our priority. But if we have that working right, then it's okay to say, God, I want to be used in the Spirit to be a blessing. Amen? Amen. And so that's how we have to perceive the gifts of the Spirit and what God is doing. Where the word faith is translated, it's often in reference to what we commonly call trust. Trust God as he reveals his word to you as to who he is. Our responsibility is not to generate faith, but to receive faith. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. We, we, you know how some people just, 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 you know, generate faith or just believe real hard. And you know what I've told you about believing. A lot of people go around and say believing is faith. And we know that if faith is the thing that causes God to do work, then guess what? You have believed God for a lot of things that he never did anything about. So just believing is not faith. If we come to know and trust God, we will never doubt his word. The person who is used in the gift of faith will be enabled by the Holy Ghost to confidently trust God for what he has impressed upon their heart for what may be seemingly an impossible situation. Mm -hmm. So when you're operating in the gift of faith, what everyone might see might see as impossible. Huh. Oh, help me, Jesus. What everyone might look at and says is no sense. What everyone might look at and says, oh man, that's just waste of time. When you're operating in the gift of faith, you will boldly declare and proclaim that, oh, no, you don't. This will happen. This is what's going to happen. And when you're operating in the gift of faith, there's a boldness. There's a confidence. There's a surety. There's a certainty that comes over you, that consumes you, that you begin to speak God's word boldly, proclaiming it, because you know God will. That's the gift of faith in action. The gift of faith is often demonstrated by bold commands or pronouncements. So I'm going to give you some examples of the gift of faith being at work. So Acts chapter 3, 
verse 4, it says this, Look at us in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Remember that? Peter boldly told the man that was lame. And then in Acts chapter 9, verse 40, Tabitha, arise again, bold and short. And so we look also at Acts chapter 13, verse 10. Oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil. This is, this is in the NJ, NKJV version. It says, you, uh, let, let's read it again. Oh, full of deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, Will you not cease perverting the, the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. That's Acts chapter 10 verse 13, ver, Acts chapter 13 verse 10 through 11. That's the, the version, the NKJV version. Look at Acts chapter 16 verse 18. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Again, a boldness, an authority, because there's a surety that's taking place in the heart of these men that are being used. Acts chapter 14, verse 10. Stand up straight on your feet. And so we see these things. Those who are used in, the, in this gift testify that a sudden dramatic assurance will come upon them that some miraculous thing will occur. There is suddenly no doubt, only confidence and conviction. Along with this may come even a physical sensation of well-being and joyous abandon expressed mm -hmm. by short even one word command. Rise, walk, be healed. So we read these things and we're not thinking about the gifts of healing, but those are examples of the gift of healing. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, Let's move on to the gifts of healing. That was what we just, we just talked about was the gift of faith. Let's move on to the gifts of healing. The gifts of healing enable a person to minister healing for specific sickness, diseases, or problems. While there are similarities between healing and miracles, in many cases they, they are, there are also important differences. A healing may occur over a period of time. This is indicated in Jesus' promise that believers will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Miracles tend to happen quickly. They may even be instantaneously. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 9, the KJV version says, Gifts of healing. But in the Greek text, the word translated healing is also plural, mm -hmm. which means it really should be gifts of healings. Right. This may suggest that there are different gifts for various diseases. Some seem uniquely gifted in healing of specific range of problems. I don't know if you ever noticed uh, some evangelists may come in and and they might be known that when they show up and the Spirit of God moves them a certain way, they usually pray for people who has cancer. 
and, and, and tumor, because cancer and tumor might come in the same kind of category. And so you would hear them say, if you have a tumor or you have cancer, I want you to come, because guess why? They have seen God work through them, healing many people of cancer, shrinking many tumors. And so they are bold and ready because they have a certainty to know God has done it, and here we go again, that same feeling I'm getting that God is getting ready to do it again. And so they will do it. Then you will have some evangelists that come and they will focus on people who are lame, people who are crippled, people who may have a stroke. And so God will use them to just speak boldly the miraculous word of God. So God will use us to, 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 to minister certain types of healing, different types of healing into people's body depending on what they need. Amen. It's a gift. Somebody say it's a gift. It's a gift. While all believers have the promise that they may lay hands on the sick and see them recover, the gifts of healing go beyond that. Okay. Somewhat in the same way that the gifts, the gift of diverse kind of tongues goes beyond speaking in tongues, which occur as the initial sign of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the phenomenon is similar, but it is different as to purpose and function. Although we would be reluctant, and properly so, to say that we have healed anyone, such language is found in Scripture. Acts chapter 28. Look at what the Apostle Paul says. Acts chapter 28, verse 8. And it came to pass that the father of Publius laid sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. Verse 9, so when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed. A similar idea is seen in Jesus' word to his 12 disciples as he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. That's Matthew 10 and 1. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Even though these disciples were not yet baptized with the Holy Spirit and did not fully comprehend Jesus' messianic purpose, they were freely gifted to minister to those in need. This underscores the idea we discussed earlier in the first lesson of the series about God giving gifts mm -hmm. to us. Amen. Again, I can't say that enough. That you don't have to be super spiritual. You don't have to be in church a long time. You don't have to take a whole lot of, you know, Bible courses for God to impart to you any spiritual gift that He wants to impart to you. Your job is to continue to learn, continue to seek the Lord, continue to grow and mature. But you can't control when God gives you the gift. And if God sees fit to give a gift to you when you're just a young, immature Christian, then so be it. You just gotta trust that this is the will of God and and keep serving God. Somebody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. By definition, they are gifts. They are gifts what God uses through us. They are not something we earn. True. Let's go to the final one. The gift of the working of miracles. Mm. The gift of working of miracles. In the Greek text of 1 Corinthians, both the word 
working and miracles translates are translated uh, are plural translation. Mm -hmm. A person operating in the gift of the working of miracles is used by the Holy Ghost to do these things. Mm -hmm. We can't forget is the Holy Ghost really doing all of this stuff? We're just instruments. We're conduits. And that's why when we pray, we say, God, we desire to be your conduits because we don't have anything to offer, just ourselves, and God determines how he wants to work in us and through us. Yeah. Theologians debate the definition of miracle, but essentially a miracle is when God does something contrary to what we sometimes call the natural order of things. Amen. Since the word natural also raises questions, it may be best to refer to a miracle as something contrary to the ordinary order of things. So when God does a miracle, it means he's doing something contrary to the order or to the ordinary order or the natural order of things. So what we think is natural, when God does a miracle, he's going to do something contrary to that. Right. These are things we usually think are impossible. We're going to look at those things in a second. After hearing of John the Baptist's death, Jesus tried to retreat to a place to be alone for a while. However, his location was quickly discovered, and the crowd gathered quickly to hopefully hear him teach and witness the working of miracles. Matthew 14 tells us, that upon seeing the crowd, Jesus had compassion on them and healed the sick among them. That's Matthew 14 and 14. After an entire afternoon of ministering to the crowd, the evening approached and people realized they were hungry. The disciples suggested that Jesus send the crowd away so they could find something to eat. But Jesus told his followers that they should not send the people away. Instead, they should feed them. This suggestion seemed outrageous to the disciples because they knew there was not enough food for everyone. In fact, one of the men piped up, but we have only five loaves of bread and two fishes. So that's all the food that were among them. Right? What happened next was a miracle. After having the people sit down on the grass, Jesus took the limited amount of food, prayed over it, and began handing out to the disciples for them to pass around. Right. When all was said and done, everyone in the crowd was full and satisfied. Over 5,000 people tasted of fish and bread that had been miraculously multiplied in the hands of Jesus. When I read that text over again for the one millionth time, of course I'm exaggerating, but all of a sudden the thought came to me, and I had to pen this down. The thought came to me that if we entrust everything we own into the hands of Jesus Christ, he will multiply it. Oh my goodness. I said, man, what a time to think about this. 
Everybody's worried about what they can obtain for themselves. Everybody's running rampant saying, I need to stock up on this and stock up on that. I need to get this and get that. But I'm here to tell you what you commend into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you put into his hands, whatever you possess, whatever you own, if you just turn it over to yes. Jesus and say, Jesus, even though you may gain this to me, I'm just a steward, but I turn it over to you as the owner because whatever I put into your hand, I know it's safe. Whatever I put into your hand, I know you will multiply it. Nobody gives better interest than Jesus Christ. You can't get no better interest. I don't care what the stock market tells you. I don't care what the investment brokers tell you. Nobody can give you better interest rate than Jesus. If he can take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000 people, you calculate, smart guys. By the time you go ahead and calculate and tell me what the percentage of the increase was. And no stock market, no stock broker, nobody will give you that kind of percentage as increase for your investment. We need to entrust everything we have in the hands of Jesus because when he multiplies it, when he gives it back to us, the interest rate is vast. Somebody needs to thank God for that tonight. Somebody needs to say thank you Jesus for that because he's a multiplier. He's not an adder. He's a multiplier. Oh, thank you Jesus for doing multiplication for what we entrust to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The book of Acts tells us that God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. That's Acts chapter 19, 11 through 12. This was unprecedented. Nothing in scripture suggests that God cannot work unusual miracles today. So we, we read those texts where the handkerchief that was on the body of the apostles, just by the handkerchief being waved, people were being healed. That's not natural. That's not normal. That's contrary to everything else that we know. But it was a miracle. Jesus, because, because just because you or I have not seen a specific working of miracles today does not mean it could not be done. Right. There are some believers that says that God is, is, is not uh, doing great miracles anymore and they only say it because they haven't experienced it. Mm -hmm. uh, we got to stop putting God in the box. We got to stop saying what God is not doing because he's not doing it in our midst. The Greek word translated miracles is also translated mighty works. Somebody say mighty works. mighty works. It's also translated wonders or mighty wonders or deeds, mighty deeds. In 2 Corinthians, uh, in, 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 in Acts chapter 2, 22, 2 Corinthians 12 and, uh, and 12 and Hebrews 2 and 4. It is sometimes used in reference to casting out devils. As, as, as dramatic as the gift of working of miracles is, it finds its place in the body of Christ after the ministry of apostles, prophets, and teachers. Mm -hmm. This does not belittle the gift, but it shows that it is to be operated in submission to the spiritual authority in the church. So let me just um, 
mentioned something about that. No matter how God wants to use you, if 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 you usurp authority in ministry that you're in, if somebody is a leader in a ministry and God is working in your life, and you feel because God is working in your life, you're just gonna just bulldoze your way because they they just not spiritual enough, and I'm spiritual, and God is working through me. You're out of order. I don't care how much God is is working the gift in your life. If you do it by uh, overstepping or or being disrespectful or usurping the authority of whatever leadership that you're under, that's not of God. Can God still do something when you're disrespectful and when you're 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 not you know submitting to authority and leadership? Oh, sure, the gift can work. But remember what I told you that. God give us gifts we didn't earn. And they will work in our lives, but that doesn't mean we're in right relationship with God. Right. So you want to make sure first, my relationship with God is right, then I will desire for the gifts to work in my life and through me. So it's very important to realize that God does things decent and in order. Decent and in order. I'm going to close with a story tonight. And this story, again, is from the great Billy Cole. I'm telling you. We read about the Apostle Paul. We read about Peter. We read about all the great men of God. But we read about them. Well, I happen to see Billy Cole in person. I happen to have been in a service or services where Billy Cole was. And so I'm, I'm glad to say, man, I was able to see this man who experienced more people filled with the Holy Ghost than anyone alive, or probably anyone ever will. I don't know, but when we get to heaven, we can talk to Jesus about that and says, Who saw more people receive the Holy Ghost um, ever? And the Lord will tell us if, will tell us if it's Billy Cole or somebody else. <laughs> All right, so let me tell you this story about Billy Cole uh, that they told about working of miracles and how God does amazing things. Now, Billy Cole has seen more people receive the Holy Ghost probably than anyone you know. But this one was a little different and very interesting. And I love these kind of stories. That's why I saved the story to tell you before I close out tonight. So listen to this. Uh, Billy Cole, we know, um, he was called by God to go to Thailand to demonstrate. He was, he was called by God to go and, and, and minister in Thailand. So the following story told by Billy Cole about uh, his call from God to go to Thailand demonstrate how various spiritual gifts can work together to accomplish God's purposes. Having already experienced a few things pointing them towards Thailand, Billy and Shirley Cole were not willing to go. I tell you, I've always... Jordan, I laugh at you. Peyton, I laugh at you. And so many other people I've come across throughout life that I laugh at. Because the more a person starts fighting something about what they don't want to do, the more you realize that's what they need to do. Because that's just what God does. God puts things in our, in our heart. And so when they finally start coming to the surface and they seem so gigantic, they seem so huge, we get worried, we get scared, we get nervous, so we start saying, no, 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 I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that. But just know, God had already put it in your heart. Mm -hmm. 
So Billy Cole and Shirley Cole got already putting their heart that they need to go to Thailand and minister. But guess what? They wasn't willing to go. I went to the Ohio. This is Billy Cole telling this story. I went to the Ohio campground, camp, campground, simple to visit their camp. Brother F. E. Kurtz was superintendent of the Ohio district, and he was a very strong leader. At the camp meeting, Brother Kurt walked up to me, put his finger on my chest, and said, Billy, if you don't go to Thailand, you will fail God. This is how they used to roll back in the day. We so soft now, somebody come tell us that. We're like, man, that can't be God, because he wouldn't talk to me like that. <laughs> but anyway, I'll move on. And then he turned around and walked away. He was pastor of the church in the Cincinnati and in Cincinnati and the district superintendent. I had such a respect for his leadership that when he told me that I needed to go, I went. <laughs> Billy Gold said, Americans don't usually think like that because respect of leadership is foreign to us. I began talking to my wife about going to Thailand. You gotta, you're going to love this. I was pastor of a church in Spencer, West Virginia. I was the youth president of the district. She was not interested in moving. Everything was going good for them. I mean, youth pastor, he's pastor of church, all of that good stuff. In fact, she was very opposed to any move. We had a nice little house to live in. It was paid for and owned by the church. When I would talk about the move to the mission field, she would become very sick. His poor wife. Just talking about Thailand caused her to become apprehensive. About that time, the king and queen of Thailand came to America for a visit, and the media made a big deal of it. Their pictures were everywhere in all kinds of magazines. Because of the interest, because of my interest in Thailand, my father had brought me three or four magazines containing pictures of Thailand. I refrained from asking Sister Cole to read them. <laughs> I just laid them on her bed and left them there. Later, Shirley, his wife, came running out of the bedroom into the living room where I was sitting, and she fell down on the floor and embraced my ankles and said, I am ready to go to Thailand. <laughs> I said, what is wrong with you, Shirley? What is the matter with you? She showed me a picture in one of the magazines. It was a photograph of four Thai men. She said, I was only nine years old when I got the Holy Ghost. When I went home that night, I knelt down beside my bed and prayed, God, if I would ever fail you, if I would ever fail you, then let me die tonight. And suddenly, I had a vision of four men. God is something, man. He scares me sometimes. So this nine-year-old little girl, before she became Sister Shirley Cole, nine years old, she received the Holy Ghost, and she was smart enough to pray, God, if I was to ever fail you, before I can fail you, I'd rather you just take me tonight that I will never fail you. And that's what she prayed. That's what she prayed, but this is what God did. God gave her a vision of four men. And here in this magazine picture are the four men I saw in my vision. So listen to me. Nine years old, she prayed, 
God, if I'm going to fail you, take me down. The Lord showed her four Thai men. Not from any magazine, just in a vision. Four Thai men. The magazine that her husband left on the bed many years later when God is trying to get her attention to go to Thailand. All of a sudden, she goes to the magazine. She saw the four Thai men in the magazine that God showed her when she was nine years old. Isn't God something? He's just like out of control. So he knew that she was going to have a resistance to want to go to Thailand with her husband, and he just set the whole thing up. Billy said, I knew that God had opened another door. He made our plans to go. We met the foreign missions board. Brother Wynn Stairs was then director of the foreign missions board, and he had a strict policy. Listen to this. He would always turn down any prospective missionary at least three times. His purpose was to see if he could discourage the aspiring missionary from going. If he could discourage you, then you should not go because being a missionary was very harsh and difficult work. So back in the day, again, whole different ball game today because we saw. Back in the day when you said you wanted to be a preacher, Back in the day when he said God called you, back in the day when he said God wanted me to go to the mission field, the elders that were in your life, which was your pastor and the leadership, they would tell you, no, he didn't. They would discourage you and try to, you sure you want to do that? And they would tell you, maybe you didn't hear from God. They were doing that on purpose to see if they can discourage you because if they discourage you and you just said, well, I guess, I, I guess it's not the will of God and you just went back and put your tail between your legs, it meant that it wasn't from God. It was just the desire that you had for a minute. So they did that back in the day. They tried to stop you and discourage you from wanting to get into ministry just to see if you really wanted to. Today, if we do that to people, they leave the church and go to another church. I'll go to another church where they can use me because they will see my abilities. They will see my talents. But back in the day, man, it wasn't so. They, they gave you a hard time. So they gave Billy the same treatment like they did everybody. They said to him, well, uh, come back again. The first time they rejected him. He automatically turned us down. I was then on the youth division board. I was the district youth president at the time. While I was in one of the youth board meetings at General Conference, they came and called me out of that meeting to bring me back to the foreign missions board. They had decided to send me. Check it out. Brother Steers said to me, you must be very surprised to be called back. You must have been really praying somewhere. Billy Cole said to him, no, I wasn't praying. I have not been praying at all. That's what Billy Cole said to him. They think Billy just praying God. They said, no, but you got to open the door. Billy said, no. He said, I didn't pray. I prayed before I came, Brother Stairs. Brother Stairs like that. So here we go. Brother Stairs, he said that three of the board members had been awakened during the night. And God had spoken to their heart and said, send Billy and Shirley to Thailand now. So man's way of doing it, nothing was wrong with it. But when God steps in to do a miracle, God don't play. And so God stepped in and said, send Billy and Shirley to Thailand now. That three strike your out stuff don't work. Send them now. So when God, look what all God went through to send them to Thailand. 
vision when she was nine years old. Magazine to look through. Then when the board says, nah, not time yet, God steps and says, yes, it is time now. God worked the whole thing out because he's the worker of miracles. And so we have to trust him because he knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything. And so when God says something, you better believe it. I close with 1 Corinthians 12, 31, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. The believer should desire the most helpful gifts or seek the greater gifts. In other words, in the desire to be helpful in the body of Christ, they should seek the power of the Spirit of God. If we want to be effective, uh, as a matter of fact, you know, one of the things I've learned over the years is when you allow God to direct you and show you how he wants to work in your life, when you have God working in your life, no matter what kind of obstacles you face, no matter how many times you fall short, no matter, no matter how many mistakes you made, you will keep going because you will know that God had called you for a purpose. We tend to uh, stray away from God. We tend to give up on God when we are not doing what God has chosen us to do, when God is not working in us. And that's when we tend to start to stray and we start to not care much about God because we are not involved. But if we will get involved, young people, Jordan, Peyton, I'm telling you now, you need to get involved as young as you can so you can come to know that God is working in your life where nobody has to tell you that God is working in your life because you will know. And when you know that God is working in your life, then you will understand that you have a part to play. You have a role to play in the kingdom of God. And that makes you keep walking with God. But if you don't get involved with God, you won't keep walking with God. You will do what you want because you won't think that there's something important for you to do. Well, God has something important and special for every one of us to do. All we need to do is make our life, commit our life to God, keep praying, Keep loving God, keep serving God, and keep seeking God for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our life. For whatsoever gift that He has imparted to us, for it to manifest and to mature in our life. That's what we need to do. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Well, we have brought this series to a close, and we thank God for that. I think we've been studying this for... Uh, Five weeks, five weeks we've done this, and we thank God for touching our hearts and speaking to us about the spiritual gifts in the church. I want you to go back and read over those scriptures. I want you to pray and ask God, how does he want to work in your life using the gifts of the Spirit? And I want you to look into your life. This past Tuesday, I was at Bible study, teaching a home Bible study. And I was talking to the brother that I was teaching the Bible study to. And we were able to identify how God will work in his life predominantly. Because I was teaching him about the story in Joseph. And I said, the, the way God worked in Joseph's life mm -hmm. was by dreams. He elevated to being the chief overseer of, of Egypt, which was the power uh, the superpower at that time. So you might as well say the chief overseer of the most powerful country at that time. So he was the most powerful man in the world at the time. And all of it came to fruition all 
by how God ministered to him by dreams. When you can identify how God has chosen to work in your life, boy, that will take you a long way. So God spoke to Joseph the very first time through a dream, telling him what was going to happen to his, to his life. That the other sheaves bowed down to his, and he understood that. Then when he went to, uh, they got sold in slavery, and now he's in Egypt, and, 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 and Potiphar White lied on him. He got thrown in jail, and while he was in jail, he interpreted the butler's dream and the baker's dream, and, and they wouldn't go to Pharaoh until Pharaoh said, man, we met a guy that can interpret dream by the power of God, but one day Pharaoh got a dream. And Pharaoh couldn't interpret his dream. And finally, the, the, the butler said, Oh, Pharaoh, I do know someone that when I was in prison, I, he interpreted dreams. And Pharaoh says, Send for him. They sent for Joseph. Joseph came, and Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh set Joseph in charge of the entire nation at that time because Joseph had the plan as to how to navigate and make things work. And so I tell you this tonight. Pray. And look at how God has used you since you have known yourself. And you will see that that's the way he will probably use you throughout your life. I'm not saying different things won't happen here and there. But the majority of how, how God will work in your life will be how it's always been in your life. And you will see that God will use you to be a blessing to the body of Christ by you trusting that how he's been working in your life is how. And so me and the brother was able to discover on Tuesday how God has been working in his life. So he now knows what he can do within the body of Christ to be a blessing. And that's a great start for my good brother that he can say, man, God, help me to perfect this gift. And, and, and work in my life so I can really be a blessing to the body of Christ because now I know this is the way you want to work in my life. And all of us need to seek God to know the way God desires to work in our life. It's going to help us to be more effective. It's going to help us to be uh, accomplish God's will. We won't be worn out like we are sometimes. We won't be discouraged as we are sometimes because when God is working through you, it feels effortless because it's really not you doing it. It's really God Amen. who is doing it. Amen. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, stand with me. We're going to pray in this missile. Amen. This week, um, what is it? Monday is Memorial Day, so uh, we're coming up on a holiday weekend. And so um, make sure we remember those that made the ultimate sacrifice, giving their life for the defense of their country. We remember them on Memorial Day that's coming up and so um, God has made clear to me what I must preach this Sunday and what I will preach next Sunday Pentecost Sunday so he has made it clear to me what I should preach and I'm so grateful for that so if you want to hear specifically exactly what God wants to say you tune in Sunday at 1030 and then next Sunday on Pentecost Sunday you will hear again what God wants to say and um, as usual, corporate prayer is this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. Let's pray together. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for this great opportunity again, Lord God, to be gathered together in your name. God, I don't want to take what you're doing in my life for granted. And I pray that none of us here tonight, Lord God, will take for granted what you're doing in our lives. You have been blessing us. You have shown us great favor. 
And Lord, you've given us this great opportunity to be saved for which we are striving, Lord God, to fulfill our purpose in you, Lord God, and living, oh God, a life that will be pleasing before you. I pray that the words that were spoken into our hearing tonight and throughout this series, Lord God, that, Lord, they will take a hold of us. For, Lord, we're believing that it's something that you are about to do in us and through us and I pray, Lord God, that you will prepare us, oh God, that we will truly be ready for the will of God to be done in us and through us. Lord, will you strengthen this congregation, Lord God, every one of us, our children, our young people, our adults, Lord God. Will you help us, Lord God, to take our rightful place in you, Lord God. I pray that you will always be our central focus. And that, Lord, nothing will come before the things of the kingdom. You said in your words, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I pray, Lord God, that nothing, we will not allow anything to come before you. We will not allow anything, oh God, to get us off point, Lord God, and making sure we trust you, that we serve you and we obey you first before everything else. Lord, bind us together, that we will stay together, that we will trust you together. Help us to grow, Lord God, into spiritual maturity. I pray, Lord God, that you'll bless this church, bless each and every one of us. Keep us, Lord God, as we make it through this night and through the next rest of the few days, Lord God, until we, become, till we come back together again. We will be careful to always give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for all these things we pray. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. 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 Thank you so very much for tuning in tonight. God bless you. Continue to stay safe and continue to pray one for another. We love you and we'll talk to you soon. Amen.